0: Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. (laughs) Welcome back to the podcast. I haven't released an episode, I think, in the last two weeks, maybe three weeks. I've kind of lost track of time recently. Could have been a month. Who knows? Um, But I wanted to kind of have an update episode and just let you know where I've been uh, and what I've been doing and, and what's been preoccupying my attention. I think that's the word I'm looking for. You know, what have I been thinking about? What have I been experiencing? What have I been moving through? And, uh, and I, I was feeling a bit um, strange. I can't think of a more particular word. I was feeling kind of strange about, um, maybe I was feeling a bit of guilt. Maybe I was feeling a bit of shame for just disappearing and not announcing that I would disappear. But I just know that about myself now. I'm consistently learning it. Like I have this tendency of assuming or thinking or hoping that I'll discover things about myself and then they'll remain like fixed and static forever. And it'll just be like a rule, you know, like there are so many ways that I'm really looking for control in my life by creating this like rigid structure um, where it's like, yeah, I will post weekly podcast episodes and I will do this regularly and I'll do blah, 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 blah. And sometimes my spirit just like revolts they're like, no, (laughs) no, no, we're not doing that. We want freedom. That's really what we want more than anything for ourselves. And we're going to rest. You know, like my spirit, my being, my body really loves rest and stillness and slowness more than I allow and more than I, you know, um, give myself permission to tap into. So this past month for me has really been like one of the big words has been permission. It just keeps coming up uh, in my life, right? I was going to say in my practices, but like my practice is life. So it just keeps coming up in my practice. <laughs> and uh, just permission, permission, permission. You know, and I've been realizing how much I often don't give myself permission. I don't give myself permission to live the life that I want to live, right? Like and, and this is shame and it's it's societal conditioning, but I have so many shoulds and musts and have to's that I feel moving around in my space all the time. I don't know if you can hear the birds outside, but they are agreeing. And so I have all these shoulds and have-to's and musts. And I think what really um enabled me to take this last break was I, I heard that inside of myself. I was just sitting and I kept I just kept hearing that. I just kept hearing, but you should be doing, but you're supposed to be, but you have to. But you must. You know, and I got to a point where I was just like, who says? But and, and not in a judgmental way. I think it's so wonderful to speak to ourselves compassionately and with acceptance and love. But like, who says, like, challenging that, you know? Like, who says, is that true? Is that true? Is that true? That's a big question that I have for myself often. Like, is that true that you have to? Is that really true? Is that really true that you're supposed to? Is that really true that you should? Is that really true that you have to? You know, and even when I start hearing those words, and I think that's one of the things that I like speaking about in this podcast is just becoming aware of how we use those words can be so useful because when you hear them come up in your life, you're like, oh, there should. What is should doing here? You know, why am I shoulding all over myself? Like, what's happening there? Or have to shows up and it's like, have to have have to. What does that mean, really? You know, like getting into the nitty-gritty of it. I must. I must. Literally, who says? So if you're looking for two questions to ask yourself, um I I would say who says <laughs> and uh, is that true? Two very useful questions. Um and I've been thinking a lot about how in my life I'm so often seeking answers and I think this is uh true of um, humanity at this time. Um, and, and in our, re- in our, you know, recent history, I use recent really to say like anything from 10,000 years ago. To me, that's pretty recent. <laughs> but I know for other people, recent history could be like in the last hundred years. So that's my recent. Just everything is contextual, everything's subjective. Um, but I think in recent history, we've really looked for, for a solid, solid ground to stand on. Um, We've really looked for answers. And I've been thinking a lot about how one of the things that I find most beautiful about humans is it's not the process of getting our questions answered, but it's the process of asking questions. I just think that's so, even now I'm like almost crying. I think that's so beautiful. (laughs) Wow. (sighs) Wow. I think it's, it's something that I so value in our species and in, in, in our being. And, you know, I think it's a central part of our humanity. I think we are, we are animals that ask questions. You know, that's what humans are. Um, and, and I, I've been thinking a lot about, how beautiful it is that with every generation, you know, I speak, I'm 23, but I always feel like I'm so old. (laughs) Um, And also sometimes because I can get so fixated with the future. So I've already just, I've spent so much time daydreaming about having kids, which I know I kind of only want to do when I'm like 33. Um, And once again, you might feel like that's super specific. I'm my numerological life path number is three and I, 33, I just love the number three. I love the third card in the major arcana, <laughs> the empress, I anything with three in it, mm, mm, mm. I love. <laughs> and so, um, you know, in thinking about that, I've been thinking about how um, my children will surpass me in so many ways. And then I've been thinking about how that like kind of makes my ego feel a bit scared like my children are gonna surpass me like I, I realize that's part of my narcissism and um, my connection to my ego in in a very intense way is like um, this idea that people could be better than me I find it deeply disturbing <laughs> you know and of course there's the part of my consciousness that I can engage with that, you know, mindfully and also understand that none of that is true. Um and that there is no better and like all of these things are just my human judgments but I do, um, part of my narcissistic wound is like constantly thinking about how I compare to other people and constantly thinking about like power and, um, and power dynamics and where I stand, you know, in, in relation to other people. I'm like always mapping that out, which is pretty intense. And I've realized that with my own children, I'm like, am I afraid that my children will be better than me? And that will totally like crush my narcissistic fantasy. And so I've just been sitting with that. Um it's always interesting to sit with my narcissism and to you know see where new things come up. But um it it really you know it it deepened me in this reflection on what are we as humans and and evolution is a is a continual process like I think narcissism once my narcissism once my life and this lifetime to be like the end of that process so that I can say I've achieved mastery and, you know, I am the best and I am whatever, you know? Um, And I think that's true of our society as well. Like, uh, and the fast pace that we're going at um, in order to achieve this false idea of best, you know, we'll literally kill ourselves in the process. Like if we continue on, on the capitalist train, just moving forward into best, 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 <laughs> We're going to kill ourselves, you know, we really have to uh, find a new way of being human and creating societies and navigating through those societies, in my humble opinion. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I find that evolution is really about this constant changing and, and I think what's so beautiful in this humans asking questions thing is that, you know, the questions that we ask which are inherently limited right because the questions that we can only like i find questions and how we ask questions to be fascinating but we can only ask questions from like what we know now if that makes sense so how i think of it is like if if you you know take your hands out in front of you and create a bowl and that's um Kind of the cognitive knowledge that we have as a world, right? I think infinitely there's so much knowledge, but let's just say what we believe we know, what's in books, and you know, uh, what's taught, what's studied. So hold your your bowl um, of knowledge in order to ask questions. Like you have to engage with that little bowl, and then from that engagement, ask a question. Right. But there are questions that we haven't even thought to ask because our bowl is our bowl. Right. And my children, your children, if you decide to have children, that generation will have a different bowl. And I think part of what's so fascinating about the world at this time is that everything is moving so fast, like faster than it ever has in human history. And there's so much learning and there's so much change. Like each generation really does feel quite different from the last in really significant ways, you know, where we can, like, say, like, the boomers versus Gen X, Gen Z, I don't know, but you know what I mean, versus millennials, like, there's actually, there's quite a difference there, um, and, and, you know, our children, my children, the children of life's longing for itself, (laughs) as Khalil Gibran says, um, will ask new questions. And I'm infinitely excited by that. And I'm so excited by the ways that I'll be able to learn from my children because of the questions that they can ask that are beyond my ball of knowledge, right? Because they will know different things and, and they will have a different starting point than I have had Um and I just think that is wonderful. I've kind of gotten onto a little rant about narcissism and children. <laughs> That's kind of some of what I've been thinking about. Um, I've definitely been thinking about how um, that the fast rate of society moving uh, makes me very scared of being left behind. Um, there's the sense that like I will become disposable to humanity this is this is a fear it shows up everywhere like this shows up in my relationships and when i'm in like schools and in my community and like everywhere family you know Um, this fear of being left behind is real for me. And I think it's real for many humans. And as I've been off social media, you know, like I went off my main Instagram account. I'm not on Twitter. I'm like on Facebook because I'm, I have to be for this course that I'm taking. Um, and like there's a little engagement group on there, but I don't use Facebook. Um, I don't use TikTok. I don't have TikTok. You know, like I'm really not on social media right now. And I have the Human Becoming podcast Instagram, but I stopped posting because I was really feeling this call to rest and this call to silence and this call to kind of, you know, reacquaint myself with my own being. And I realized every time I do that, and every time I take that kind of space, ooh, I feel Afraid. It's that same fear of like something is life is going to continue to happen without me, and I'm going to be left behind, and I'm going to be like disposable, uh, and I'm going to be forgotten. You know, if I can just like name all those stories that are happening there. And so that's been really interesting to, um, to think about too like as I take I took the step back from the podcast and from the newsletter and from Instagram and I was like there's no right now there's no evidence digitally that I exist <laughs> like really truly now in this moment. there's evidence that I existed a few weeks ago but there's no evidence that I exist now you know um, I'm not putting anything out into the universe I'm not like you know, There's no evidence. Um, And I was thinking about how alarming that is. And I think, you know, why that has been an important reflection for me is because I've been feeling, when I left social media, I was having a moment that was kind of similar to two years ago when I was originally diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I remember there was a day when I came back from the psych ward and I was in my room and my mom was there and two of my best friends were there and first i remember taking like just a glass and just throwing this glass bottle just throwing it against the wall and it didn't shatter which was hugely annoying and then i had like a glass on my table and i just like threw that down just cuz i i wanted something to shatter i wanted something to break like oh i had such a deep urge inside of me to experience that and i started dragging all like all my um my like sweaters and different things that were hung up in my closet. I opened my closet and I literally started like ripping everything out. And that was that was aesthetically delicious. In the time it was very frightening, but or it wasn't actually it was it was complex. Um but the whole experience was, you know, traumatic and frightening. But now I am like wow aesthetically delicious, beautiful. So I'm here, ultra dramatic, tearing everything out of my closet. And I'm like, I'm going on this monologue about how fake my life is. I was like, e- everything is fake, and I'm a hypocrite, you know. And it was fascinating because I could see that really clearly. Like it was almost like all of my internal dialogue. Because I think a lot of us might have this internal dialogue about being like, I'm fake, I'm a hypocrite, I don't really live by my values. I'm not like like there this the sense that who I project myself as to the world, and even who I tell myself I am, I am not, <laughs> you know. And then it's that fear that's like, oh, if I'm found out. But then that moment, I was really exposing myself to myself and saying like everything. And it was it was painful, but, you know, everything is fake. I was looking at everything and I was like, this is all fake, you know. Um, and that's definitely sometimes how I feel when I'm like dipping into madness is the sense of I'm looking around at the world and I'm just like, oh, my God. And I had that for the first time in a long time. Before I left social media, where it's it's like I was experiencing the world as far too loud. Like everything just felt too loud. Every newsletter, every email, every DM, every post, every story, every da 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 da, da, da. You know, it goes on. But it all just felt there was something about it that it, it literally felt noisy. It felt like there's just so much. And there is like there's so much in this world. There's so much what input into our minds. Like if I'm thinking of us as the central being here, then there's so much input There's and there's so much sensory overload, I feel. And so I was like, "Yeah, I really just need to take a step back, but even in that, I was just kind of looking at everything, and I was like, "And this is all fake like in like i w- I was definitely having an insanity moment of like, this is not real life. My insanity moments are in fact great moments of lucidity." <laughs> You know, that's the truth that psychiatrists don't want to hear. But um, even though, you know, sometimes it is a bit, there's chaos there. Yes, because that is a part of madness. But what I see in those moments always feels incredibly true in the moment and outside of it. You know, um, I like I don't ever look back and say like, that was, you know, if I do that thing with myself, I say, is that true? I go, yes, it is. Um, and that might be because I'm still in that space, you know, but I, I just, it does feel true. What happened two years ago, that moment with the closet and ripping everything out, that felt true. And it also felt in that moment because you might be like, oh my God, that sounds, well, it sounds super self-deprecating and it sounds like you're, you, you know, sometimes I think we must call a spade a spade. And I think there's a difference when we're looking at ourselves and um, and just heaping on the judgment, you know, and the shame and like, um, and, and that's just making us recoil more into ourselves. But for me, there are moments of like, I am a hypocrite. And it's almost like in those moments of insanity, I feel it is said actually truly without judgment, but it is said as truth, you know, like I am a hypocrite. And then I can choose and maybe it's because I'm in a different consciousness when i have those experiences but it's like i can choose to associate that like i can choose to take that in this judgment or not but it's really just like these actions are hypocritical these actions are fake this is not true look at your life this is not true and so it can be really sobering um but also very ego crushing because it's like ow um, so I think I was looking at a lot of things, a lot of ways that I'd been living my life and, and making choices, and I just realized how much of it wasn't true. And so for this last month, I've really been going through this like really intense um, process of dying, as I always am. <laughs> um, but in this particular death, I really had to admit to myself that I have no idea who I am. And that was really sobering, um, and it was really scary. And, uh, and it felt, (sighs) but it was, um, it was quite sobering, it was quite, um, scary, intense to look at, you know, um, and to connect with that deep sense of I actually have no idea who I am. And then I think where the pain came in is looking at how many ways in my life I was trying to set up solid structures, like in my life and also in my mind, trying to set up these solid structures that would, you know, add to that sense of i solidly know who i am and i can stand on the solid ground and I, I had this beautiful experience of experiencing the world as completely unsolid which is for me it feels like the real true nature of reality when i have those experiences and i really experienced every, like i experienced the whole world is moving and I realized that as much as I will look for solid ground to stand on, it's just an illusion, and it doesn't exist. And that was really painful. I spent a day crying with that one. <laughs> it was just really, really painful. Um, but I think also in an opening way, because I think it is painful with our our egoic minds and our human conditioning to accept that. There is nothing solid. There is nothing solid here. Absolutely nothing, you know, um, as much as we might look and, and I, and I think there was that, this deep feeling of like when you reach, when you reach for something and you realize it's like, it's like, it's almost like experiencing a dream. Like when you reach for something and you've spent so long trying to reach for it and trying to get it. And when you finally put out your hand and like, Gr- like reach to grab it it just disintegrates into smoke you know like that was really the feeling of it for me you know and and i and i also realized with clarity that i can spend my life i have choices i'm a huge proponent of choice and i have choices and i have the choice to continue you know entertaining that illusion for my life i could choose to do that and i would suffer a lot um, but I could choose it. And it doesn't mean it's bad. I could learn a lot from that suffering. Like, I don't believe in right and wrong and bad and good choices. You know, I think there are just choices. And then we learn from them and we decide what lessons we're really wanting to learn. And, you know, but I realized the other choice is to accept that I don't know who I am, to allow that acceptance to bring me deeper into my journey instead of like totally depressing me, you know, because I think that's another choice is then to be like, I don't know who I am. And that reality is horrible or to frantically look for the next thing to constitute my sense of self so that I can be like, I am a solid self. I am me individually. That is true. (laughs) You know, like this experience is true and it's like, it is and it isn't. Um, but, (sighs) I think where I'm at now in that is I feel a newfound sense of freedom. I feel a newfound sense of openness to experiencing whatever it is I want to experience in this life and whatever it is that, you know, like at a big vast soul level I want to experience, not just my egoic minds like we want to experience this, you know, that too. But what is it that I really want to experience, and and if I accept that truth that I really don't know who I am, but also that I may never, like I I will never fully understand, like I'll I'll have moments of understanding, but I don't think the goal is for me. Once again, is the goal the answer, or is it asking the question? And I think for me, I, I'm orienting towards a mindset of question asking when it comes to my own life instead of answer seeking. And that might land with you, it might not. You might be like, what do you mean? And that might make perfect sense. (laughs) And that's okay. But for me, that really does feel like it encapsulates the kind of shift that I've moved through in this past month is like, Ah, oh, and I've noticed with that answer seeking mentality or you know, experience when I have it, whenever I reach that answer, whenever I reach that thing that I so think I, I seek and desire, and I so think it will satiate my hunger for knowing. <laughs> um, I think if I could just have this answer, if I could just know this thing, then I will be full. And I'm a being that, you know, I experience a lot of hunger and I never feel full. And that's a really intense experience to um, have. I, I don't mean like literally with food. I mean like um, with my human experience, I experience so much hunger for connection, for intimacy, for love, for knowing, for ex- for all of these different experiences. And I rarely, rarely feel full. There's always something more and and that's something I've been thinking about too is like what is that like <laughs> um, to live a life with such a hunger and I think I'll speak about that in um, another episode because there's a story I want to tell there, but I just I, I get the sense of um, insatiability I think is the word. And I think that's part of the answer seeking. Whenever I think I've come across an answer, whenever I think that there's something solid for me to hold on to and to, you know, um, I always feel disappointment. And that's been really hard for me to acknowledge too, is how much I experience disappointment. In my wanting, I feel so much disappointment often. <laughs> like, I think disappointment is such a huge part of experiencing desire. It's one of the things that I love working on, um, in like somaticas. I just feel like, um, disappointment is such a huge part of intimacy and learning how to navigate disappointment for me has been huge. And, um, and having these profound experiences of being held in my disappointment have been life changing, really amazing. But, uh, you know, in my answer seeking, I just feel disappointment often and i and that's not to say that dis, it's not right it's not to say that disappointment is wrong or disappointment is bad, but it's like i'm just I'm thinking really clearly about what I want out of this life um what are the kinds of experience? And and it's beyond because this life is quite big. I have no idea what I'm going to want next year. I have no idea what I'm going to want tomorrow, to be honest with you. I change my mind all the time. So that's kind of some of the thinking I'm trying to disrupt where I'm like, in this life. And it's like, you don't know anything about this life, my dear. Just live it <laughs> and experience it fully. And so, um, at least in this next phase of my life that I feel like I'm consciously stepping into, I'm feeling the sense of I'm literally seeing so clearly some I'm seeing choices. Like choice is such a big thing for me lately. I said this a bit earlier in the episode, but. I'm so big on helping people to see choice. So often we fall into the language of choicelessness as humans, and we don't fully see the choices that are on offer to us, right? I don't have a choice. I just, I didn't have a choice. I don't have a choice. And I think it's really valuable to start opening up our sense of possibility and choice. For me, that's imagination too. Like that's how we create the future. They're all really connected. But for me, choice, I've realized... I'll share this with you. My thesis statement that I've come to recently is that choice is how we create our own reality and it's how we create our future. We create it through choice, through the choices that we make, right? Literally, it's not a complicated thesis statement. It's like you make a choice. If you think about it, think about yourself as like, once again, bring your hands into a little bowl in front of you And if that's you, and maybe use one hand to put out your five fingers. So, those are like different paths. If those are five different choices and you make one of those, it puts you on a path. You know, our choices are constantly changing our reality. And I, and I think just to add a little, you know, spiritual note, um, you know, so much of the conversations that we've been having, I would say not as a whole world, but as a spiritual community in this past year or two is that, you know, we're evolving, we're, we're changing, we're moving into a new earth, new paradigm. People have so many different ways of speaking about this, but even intuitively, I think if you're here, I think if you're listening to this podcast, you feel that there is a change happening in the world. And you could see that super um, groundedly, like you could be like, yes, because of the pandemic, things are changing. Or you could feel like there's something more metaphysical going on, whatever it is. Um, but I think part of what's being made available to us what i've been really sensing quite intensely is that in this new paradigm in this new earth right in this new reality it's much more grounded of a project than sometimes we make it out to be so i'll just explain what i mean by that is like i believe that the process of creating a different earth it's a very grounded and earthy process <laughs> you know it's not like we're going to wake up one day and we're in 5D, as some people would say it, or like we're going to snap the fingers and it's like, oh, I'm opening my eyes and there's a new world outside and everyone's totally changed and it just happened miraculously. Who knows? It might. Maybe that's one quantum possibility. But what I'm sensing and the messages that I've been receiving, you know, um, have really been about how from this place of imagination, which is why I'm so big on cultivating imagination, from this place of imagination, that's that's our place of vision. That's where we connect to our intu- intuition. Wow. And that's where we connect to God. Let me take a breath so that I can calm down for this one. And so from that place of seeing and openness, there have been many ways, you know, there are so many ways that I could refer to this. Um, I'm right now, I'm gesturing to like my head, right? But when we open and when we allow ourselves to see the vision, the first step is seeing the vision. The first step is opening our eyes. The first step is imagining. That is where it all begins. That is why imagination is so important. So we imagine and then from there, we bring that vision into reality, right? We ground that vision. So for me, it's almost like if 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 the vision is kind of, if you see it, you know, operating around our heads, it's like grab onto that thing and then pull it down as if there were seeds and plant them into the ground. That is what I think we're doing, which for me is, it's a very grounded, it's a very earthy project, and so, part of that, right? Part of what that means is we have to, we really have to understand how we're making choices, because our choices—it's the—it's the choice to bring whatever down from our imagination to use it as a seed to plant it. That's a choice. Um, <laughs> but even in that, there are so many different choices, and 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 part of what I see beyond that, you know, process of planting and creating, is that. What what is gonna become? Because a lot of people have been speaking about like five D, right? Like this new five D reality, and and I've been and I I always like I just love to learn, so I will take everyone's I will uh, let's say have faith in everyone's perspective, and I always like I don't know if I've shared this elephant story with you, but I'll share it briefly. This is a story that my mom tells her students, um, but there are four or five blind men in the small remote village in India. And it and and one day, and they've never, there's never an elephant has never visited the village before, ever, ever, ever. So one day, this one villager runs in, and and these wise men, as wise men do, <laughs> sitting around and drinking their tea and talking about God. Um, and I'm sure this story is told in many ways. So I just want to honor that. This is just how I've heard the story told, and that's gonna be my telling of it. But then someone runs in and says, oh my goodness, there's an elephant. There's an elephant in the village. And they say, take us to the elephant. We want to experience an elephant. We've never experienced an elephant. And so they go and and one by one they walk up to the elephant, right? So one of them is guided to the elephant and, and he puts his hand on the elephant's uh, leg. And he says, oh, I know. An elephant is like a tree trunk it is sturdy and and thick and like grounded and he steps back and another one steps forward and he says no no and and he's guided to touch the trunk and he says no no you you've got it totally wrong an elephant is actually this you know long almost snake like um, ropey thing <laughs> And so he steps back and you can get the story. Someone walks up to the ear. Someone walks up to the tail. They all touch a different part of the elephant. And so their perspective is that, no, an elephant isn't this, it's this. And as the story goes, they spend the rest of their lives debating um, about what the elephant actually is. This is how I see religion and spirituality in our world, right? I believe that everyone has a piece of the puzzle, but no single piece is the entire fucking puzzle. And I think that's where, you know, mainstream religion kind of gets it wrong, um, or, you know, wrong. But I think where it's been harmful is that there's, you know, some people who have a single piece of a very big puzzle and they're like, this is the entire puzzle and they'll kill for it. That's what we've seen in this world. People will literally kill to maintain that their piece of the puzzle is the correct piece, is the correct, is the, is the whole puzzle, you know. And so I think all religions and spiritualities and faiths and ways of of seeing and knowing and being in the world are incredibly valuable. And I think they all have something really valuable to teach us. But if we look at one and we say, that's the whole elephant, right? Like if we look at one and we say, that's the whole picture, that's God, that's the universe, that's what's happening here. We're missing something far deeper and richer and greater, you know? Um, I'm going on this rant because in this time of silence, I've realized how important my relationship to God is to me and how important spiritual community is and how that's something that I really want to cultivate in my life. Um, so speaking that into existence and calling that into my life, but um, you know, something I, I, I do want to weave into my being and my, my practice called life more. And so you know people will talk about five d and it's why I'll bring in so many different spiritual perspectives here, like sometimes like right now I'm reading um a book by Thich Nhat Hanh, um, on the Buddha's teachings. And um, in this time, I was reading The Forbidden Rumi, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful poems by Rumi, but that weren't translated with um, the rest of his body of work, because um, they're actually quite different from a lot of his other poetry. And I have been blown away by it, totally blown away. And um and then sometimes, you know, I'll talk about 5D, like, and I'll talk about witchcraft and paganism and, you know, because I think everyone knows something and we need to bring it all together. And so, you know, with 5D, what I find really interesting about that perspective, but I've noticed a lot of the discourse is also people saying like, um, it, like, is it now? Are we in? Are we out? Like, what's happening? <laughs> you know? And how I experience it, Uh, and I don't necessarily call it 5D, but what I'm experiencing right now in my connection to the universe is that there's this energy shift happening here on Earth that's making different choices possible. And that for me feels really powerful. So it's still about your individual sovereign right to make choices, (laughs) Uh, and the importance of doing that because that's part of your soul's evolution and your soul's journey is making choices. Like for me, choices are so powerful. Sometimes I run into the extreme, like the other end of the. um, Choices are so powerful to like. I don't want to make any choices because they're too powerful. (laughs) So you know, balance, but. I've experienced that with more clarity in the past year, and it does feel like there's been something that shifted externally. That also, right? Like externally, is just there is no external, but it does feel like there's been something that shifted at a collective, at a bigger level than just an individual me experience. And it feels like what how I experience this is sometimes I'm in my life and something happens. And there's more stillness and mindfulness inside of me. And I can see two choices and I can see kind of some of the repercussions of those choices, right? It's not that I'm like, I look down the two paths and I'm like, you know, that's so Raven moment and I can see everything that's going to happen down those paths. But I kind of get a sense of like, is this choice going to take me into the reality that I'm creating? what reality is this choice taking me into but with with a real clarity i'm able to see where my choices are taking me where i want to start making other choices because of the reality that i am trying to create you know and my big thing is always going to be creating the future you know like i i'm learning to step into the responsibility of that And how um, that makes me so nervous, too, because it's like, oh, um, what if that doesn't happen? (laughs) What if we were all wrong, you know? Um, And it's like, I I know that some of just like my egos um, hang up on like, you know, not wanting to do things and wanting to protect me, which is okay. But I'm really noticing how important it is for me in my daily life, not even to share that with other people, but in my daily life to wake up. With, like, the mindful intention and awareness that I've come here to experience transformation inside of myself. I have come here to anchor that energy (laughs) on this earth. So that in a way that I don't even have to, I don't even have to like actively, you know, then go and proselytize and be like, everyone listen to this. That's not my vibe. (laughs) Um, but just through anchoring that energy. And I think that's something that's so powerful that I, I want all of you to know when you can anchor, like you carry something unique. You carry your own unique gifts. You carry your own unique energy, right? Like to make it something more, it's, there's an essence, you know, each of us is bringing something totally different to the planet. We've spent so much time trying to be something other than that. Like all of us have spent a portion of our lives being told that we couldn't be that. And so now we have clever protective mechanisms that take us away from that essence, right? And I firmly believe that the greatest gift that I give to humanity and that Many of us can bring to humanity is simply to anchor in that essence and then to do the work that is required to anchor in that essence um, because it's not it's not just as easy as or maybe it is for some people for me, it has never been as easy as waking up and being like, "I am anchored in the essence it's doing the practice <laughs> of anchoring, which is you know tough and challenging but rewarding and delightful and lovely and so I suppose those are some of the things that I just wanted to speak about today is um, choice and how more and new choices are opening up here on Earth, right? And, and for me, what that really is energetically is it, it's an expanded sense of possibility, right? It's like all of our senses, I, I feel like this is really going to happen um, in, you know, in time. I never liked it because the universe doesn't work at any particular time that I'm aware like that surely, but I don't think it's about. Um, but it's an expanded sense of possibility, really, uh, that I, I sense that we're going to move through is like just kind of an Like, I'm, I'm gesturing. I gesture so much. Um, it, it's like, I feel like this huge opening (laughs) around, like, it's like, I'm like taking my hands and like stretching them around my head. Like, where before you might have said, I don't really know if I have a choice there or where before. Through your own perception of a limited sense of of limited possibilities that could create limited realities, that perception is going to change so that you can sense and see more possibilities, so that you can sense and see more realities. And that's so fucking exciting. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm like, yes, fuck yes. That's really fun. Um, and so I've actually, I think part of why I needed this month to step back was because, oh, I was just totally, I needed so much rest. I've spent so much of this time literally just resting intensely and taking care of myself. Um, it's really, going through all of these different like energetic shifts has been really really intense um and taxing on my body and i find that hard sometimes navigating through our reality in the way that it is um like our cl- collective wah, reality um because right like there there it's not yet we're not at a place yet where we're really used to people saying like i I, it's energetically things are intense in the cosmos. Things are intense with my ancestors. Things are intense. I am going to take a month off, <laughs> you know. Like, um, and yet I, I do hope I know that that's I know that's the reality that I'm creating for myself through choice and through you know um, giving myself permission. Because a lot of what was happening was the universe kept saying rest, 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 and because of because of my guilt and my shame uh i and like my i my resistance to that i was like allowing myself to rest while still feeling that sense of i must i should i have to i'm supposed to so it wasn't real rest and then i just had to give myself permission to rest i just had to say you are allowed to you are allowed to that is why the universe has created that's why i have created the container for myself that i have um the life for myself that I have so that I can rest. I need to rest, you know. Um, And I'm very grateful also for, you know, the many, like the many ways that I'm supported because I wouldn't be able to rest in the way that I am without the support of like so many different people and my family, especially my dear mom. Um, and so it's just been really nice to like be, um, totally, totally supported and totally taken care of. And, uh, and another thing I've just been working on is receiving, just receiving. Yeah. You know, like really, really allowing that, um, That energy, uh, to to move through my life and and really to focus on like everything I need, I or I will receive, you know, and and that has um, deepened my spiritual practice and um, definitely um, led me to work on more around trust and having faith and surrendering and letting go like these are daily practices but it's always beautiful to have something in my life that brings me back to them so that's kind of my update um there, there are some I think I might I, I was thinking that I wouldn't release episodes until next year so the jury's out on that one I might I might not but I do have two episodes that I've recorded um, that I, I'll probably listen to them again and then if I uh, enjoy them I'll release them one is on being a slut and the other is on being a bitch which have both been really profound um, beautiful spiritual practices for me lately is embracing those parts of myself um, and then I think there's another episode That I want to do on the spider and desire because that has been a huge point of reflection lately. And I've been um, doing a lot of healing on my relationship with the spider, which is always a joy. Truly, um, one of my greatest elders um, is the spider. And I'm so grateful for that relationship and that I've had that relationship throughout my whole life. So yeah. That's kind of, you know, some of what I'm thinking about. Uh, The other thing that I wanted to say is that I'm thinking that next year between January and March, um, I really want to get a lot of somatica practice in. I really just want to like really consistently practice working with people. And, and I've been taking a break from that this year because it's been really intense, uh, with the initiation and, you know, all the things I've been doing. But I really want to, you know, it, it's, it's, it's so hugely, um, transformative for me to sit with other people in their healing journeys. Um, and it can also be super, uh, like, um energy draining to be in so much presence with people uh, and, and to and and it's also enlivening but because I you know I've actually realized I love my alone time I'm such a big introvert um it, it can be challenging for me so I'm really thinking that starting in the new year I want to take on four new clients four four, four. I really don't want to exceed four. I like the idea of seeing four people a week uh, and I see people on Zoom. Uh, I'm probably not going to be seeing people in person because um, South Africa is going through another wave of the pandemic right now. And so I'm really wanting to to work with new people. I'm really wanting to experience um, the kind of connection and intimacy um, that I know can create extraordinary potential for healing with other people. And that's really what somatica is, you know, like, um, for those, you know, I don't remember when I last spoke about this, but somatica is a it's a method of sex and relationship coaching where we focus on experiential learning and really for me when i what is the core of the work i do i practice intimacy with people i i practice loving people right like i practice being in real real connection with you and showing up as my authentic self and and helping you to show up as your authentic self and helping us and we connect erotically so if you're my client i will flirt with you That is literally my job. Um, And through our erotic connection, and it depends on what we work on, you know, there could be so many things that we work on, but through our erotic connection and through us exchanging that energy with each other, it's possible for me to see so much of what is happening inside of you, what is challenging for you, where if you knew something different or had a different skill or tool, would you be able to be in deeper intimacy with all of the people in your life? Because that's really what I want for people is is a deeper intimacy and deeper connection. And for me, the my like where I start with every single person, because for me this is the foundation, is intimacy with self deeper connection with self I really want to help people know who they are as beings right and because this is we're focusing on sex and relationships it is focusing on on understanding yourself as a sexual being but for me that's understanding your whole being like if you've under if you've listened to the season of human becoming you know that for me sex is so much more expansive um and so I really want to focus you know on helping you to know yourself as a being and as a sexual being and a being that is in relational intimacy with people, you know. So to really know the things about yourself that are challenging and the things about yourself that you love and the things about yourself that are growing edges, you know, and and where you really want to practice and get more work in and build the muscle. So that for me is the thing with intimacy is it's it's a muscle. And so often we judge and shame ourselves because we could we don't know you know but we haven't been taught and so um i'm really interested in these next three months on uh, working with people who and to some extent you know this it might be a lot or a little but and and everyone is different on their journeys but i'm really interested in working with people who want to experience more you know like more connection more intimacy who who hold that question of like is there more on offer for me? Because there is. <laughs> and so I, I want to help people expand into that. I'm probably going to end up working with people who are socialized as women, regardless of gender, because I'm, I'm really interested in helping people to see how that programming affects who you are as a sexual and relational being. Um and so that's probably, you know, like, although I'm open to working with old people, also because that's my experience. And and it really is a deep passion of mine to work on deprogramming um, those patriarchal um, beliefs and values that have been so entrenched and internalized in our bodies and our nervous systems, not just in our own lifetimes, but, you know, in our ancestors' lifetimes. so. That's a thing. Um, And, and I also am interested in working with people who, to some extent, once again, you know, you will know the extent to which this is true for you, but people who, to some extent, have disconnected from them from themselves. Um, have disconnected from their sexual beingness, have disconnected from their bodies, you know, have have left that connection. Oftentimes, you know, you've left that connection for survival. um, And because that was what you had to do, you know, um, or what you know, that was the kind of best option available, um, in order to grow up in the society was to disconnect. And because that's very much my story of being so disconnected from my body and my sexual beingness, and then finding this joyous reconnection and living in a society where that kind of disconnection was so, you know, my story of disconnection is as tied to family of origin and to ancestry as it is to society. And, you know, um, so I, I'm really passionate on working with people to reconnect, and that will always look different. And, uh, and really, I, I see myself as a coach, right, because it's not therapy, and I'm not a counselor. Uh, as a coach, I really see myself more as your lover or your friend who really cares deeply about you and wants to support you in breathing into the immensity and the fullness of what is actually on offer here. Right, on Earth uh, and in your lifetime, like what is actually possible? I want people to live fuller lives. I want people to to live more expansive lives, right? Like I, I want people to be able to <laughs> and, and take in so much of what life has to offer. And I recognize that in those experiences of disconnection and shutdown that we experience from who we are as sexual beings and, and who we are as just beings, point blank, period, who we are as humans, because our sexual, like, it's so entangled, it's so connected. Um, and for me, knowing who we are, is so foundational, and it's hard, and it's a lifelong process, right? So I also I want to be super clear that like when I work with people, I'm not working from a pathologizing perspective. I'm not working to fix, you know. I'm not working to diagnose. That is not what I do. Um, what I'm really focusing on is sitting with you in your experience of suffering. Using my attention and my awareness to, you know, shine a spotlight onto you and understand more deeply, you know, like to see into some of your blind spots to, you know, we've been talking about um, so much of this, but to see into your blind spots and, um, and offer you different perspectives, different ways of being, right? Because all my work is somatic. We, we focus on doing something different, right? Connecting in a different way, not just talking, Um We do experiential practices and we play together and it's so much fun. Um, But I also want to expand your sense of possibility. I want to expand your sense of your sexual menu and even it's like your life menu, right? For me, this beautiful thing happens when we expand our sexual menu. Everything just follows. But I want you to, I want to help you. I want to support you in expanding into a sense of, hmm something else is possible here. Um, and so that's really what I'm excited to do is to help you find new possibilities for living, for being alive, and to be someone that's in, you know, I all the healers and therapists that I see are all part of like my self-care team, you know. I think um, so often um, especially when we live in a culture where it's like fixing and pathologizing. And for me, like my therapist um is like just kind of like a attachment figure, you know. And that's also what I really work on becoming for the people that I work with is, you know, I wanna become I'm I'm becoming, that's part of my method is I'm becoming an attachment figure for you, a figure of secure attachment. Also, so that we can experience how much la internal turmoil comes up in attachment, you know, um, and so that we can go through that together. It's essentially, I would say, somatica, it's like experiencing a really intentional and conscious relationship <laughs> where you're stopping to debrief and you're stopping to say, where could that be better? Where could that be different? That's all we're really doing. Where could we try something different? How could that feel, you know? Um, you, we touched a boundary there. How do we navigate that in our relationship? Like, you know, um, really it's being in conscious relationship with someone. So if you know that, you know, in your kind of your little self-care ecosystem, I like to think of all my care and support as an ecosystem. If you're wanting, you know, um, kind of a conscious relationship to come in and, uh, and you're wanting that kind of support, I'm here. I will be taking on four people once again. Um, so if you're interested, send me an email. And then, so I'm not going to obviously start now, but send an email now so that we can get set up for January, which is when I'm going to start. And what I'm doing, because so, you know, I've been through the Somatica training. I did the core training, uh, last year, and now I'm, uh, training as an advanced practitioner. And so, um, And I'm on the certification path, which is so exciting. And I'm excited to be a certified somatica practitioner. Super cool. Although I'm also getting to a point in my journey where I'm moving away from like the labels and things. But as I'm kind of preparing for um, my certification exam, which will be next year, March, April, you know, around that time, I do want to get more practice in. So, what I'm going to do is I'm actually dropping my my rate and my rates will never be as they are now again. <laughs> um, but I really wanted to also focus on like, I, I wanted to make these super affordable. Um, and, you know, and I also wanted to give back to the human becoming community in some way. And, and you know, if you're part of this community, I'm especially excited about working with you Um and so I usually my sliding scale or what it's going to be in the future is 800 rand. Now I'm working in rands. I've, I'm going to have like a global south um, sliding scale and a global north sliding scale because different economies. Um, but in my South Africa sliding scale eventually is going to be 800 to 1,200 rand and my American sliding scale is going to be 80 to 120 dollars. I'm still working on that and there's still so much room for play but for this next period of time from now until March my sliding scale is going to be in rands 400 to 800 rand and in dollars 40 to 80 dollars. I really want to focus on practice and I want to focus on giving in this time. Um, And I really wanted to focus on like um, for these next three months, especially because I do feel like we're experiencing such intense changes. if, If I just feel that there are, I know that I'm providing this opportunity and that the perfect people for it are going to emerge. And for those people, I want it to be really like possible, you know? And so 400 to 800 um, and forty to eighty dollars really feel possible for me. Uh, and if you were someone like you really listen to this podcast and you love it, but you're like, ah, oh, that's you know a bit steep for me or like I'm not really sure if I could do that right now, email me. let me know. Um, I might not be able to you know shift and accommodate in that like to to make it possible for you right now, but I also might be able to. And so if you're like, I really want to do this healing, but I could afford X amount on the sliding scale. Um, just reach out to me because yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to work with you. (laughs) Um, and I'd, I'd love to work to support more people from this family, um, in their journeys of reconnection. And so, yes, that is all I have to say. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful day and I will speak to you soon.